Big Red Bet. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. With Sure 72-hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Good evening, folks. Hope you're all well on this Sunday evening. Roy here with you on the Big Red Bench on till 7pm. We certainly have a very busy hour of sport to get through between now and 7pm. We're going to have reaction from Cork's defeat today to Derry in the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship quarter final. We'll hear from boss John Cleary. We'll also hear from Derry manager Kieran Mina and Jer McCarthy will talk us through the game a little bit later on as well. We're also going to hear from Sarsfields as they prepare to take on Black Rock in the Red FM Hurling League Division 1 final. That's this coming Friday evening. Plenty of Cork boxes in the show tonight. We're going to talk to Cork's Callum Walsh, who moved to 706 kilos recently. We're also going to talk uh, to uh, Cahal Crowley a little bit later on. And our F1 expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, is going to analyse the uh, Austrian Grand Prix, which occurred earlier on today. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Oh, it's 6-8-104-106. If you want to send us a WhatsApp or a text, let us know what you thought of Cork's performance today against Derry. Not a great game of football by any stretch of the imagination. This was uh, Jim McCarthy's full-time report. Derry defeating Cork on a scoreline of 112-18. to Six points to five up at halftime. Uh, Derry added three points during the third quarter. Now Lachlan, Kerr, McFarlane, Shane McGuigan free. Cork in that same time frame and a Brian O'Driscoll goal chance that went wide and a couple of opportunities that they missed. Then in the 47 minute there was hope. Rory Maguire, the fullback, flicking to the back of the net to make it nine points to one five. But within a couple of minutes, Derry went up the opposite end. Connor Doherty scored a killer goal to make it one nine to one one five. Following that, Shane McGuigan's free. Cork uh, kicked on in the final quarter. Chris Oak Jones, Colm O'Callaghan reduced the deficit one ten to one seven. But a double uh, from Brendan Rodgers made it one twelve to one seven to give a five point gap once again to Derry. Right near the end, Michal A. Martin saved the Shane McGuigan penalty. Owen McSweeney landed one from distance, but it wasn't enough for Cork on the day. Derry deserving winners in a scoreline of 112 to 1 8. They progressed the All Ireland semi finals. They Cork certainly season do. Is over. Yeah, and Cork's uh, season certainly is over, but uh, valiant effort against Derry today. Dublin, meanwhile, booking their place uh, in the. Uh, all Ireland Senior Football Championship semi finals. Colin Bascal scoring both goals. They won 217 to uh, 11 points. Just how that finished in the second game uh, that took place in Crow Park today. And the draw uh, for the semi finals will be Dublin against Monaghan and uh, Kerry against Derry. So they will be played in two weeks' time, those uh, semi finals. Um, we're going to hear no reaction from the core complex here from boss John Cleary speaking afterwards. Initially, we're, we're, we're disappointed, gutted, really, you know what I mean? Um, I suppose a strange start of a game, really, in that, you know, we, we, we had a lot of possession. The first 10, 15 minutes maybe didn't make a count. They were very defensive. We, we, we couldn't break them down. They turned us over. And uh, then before halftime, maybe similar to last week, got a couple of points and, you know, we felt going at halftime. Look, again, we haven't played outstandingly well. Um, and only, only a point down. Um, then after half time we had two chances at points and we didn't get them and we went, went, went in for a goal and, 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 and missed it got overturned and, and you know went down and they just picked us off and um, look, it was looked like it was going to be a long day for us then and then the goal gave us a lifeline yeah. and um, maybe a bit out of the blue and next thing we gave away the, the goal back again which was a killer and I think after that we tried hard valiantly but look um, I think Derry probably had our measure there and you know 
probably four points they missed the penalty but they were able to suck it up then and we I suppose look we threw caution a bit to the wind there in the end and we told lads look power forward there and uh, look I did think we were a bit flat today uh, just a warm day out there big pitch maybe the last two weeks maybe you know big players around the middle weren't as energetic and as lively as they were the last couple of weeks and I think you know but overall look I think we're just beaten by a better team on the day and, and were more efficient than we were. Yeah, like, is it fair to say that they're really further along in their development than Cork and show that experience and the case of Cork learning from it and changing it? Yeah, we would hope so. You know, um, look, coming up here today, we gave ourselves every chance and, you know, we had looked at them and we felt if we, had, if we could have played well, we definitely had a chance of beating them. And I think when we look back on it, we, we didn't play to our, what would be our potential. And we were a bit flatter than, than, than other days. And, um, you know, that's, that cost us in the end. And, and ultimately, that's, that's why Derry won. How difficult is it just to set up against that Derry team? You know, to come up with a plan for it and then to execute it? Yeah, it is. I suppose, look, the, the, the big thing is you've got to be patient and you've got to, you know... Uh, we did have the openings, but unfortunately we missed two or three. And, and the big thing there is that if we could have got a point or two ahead maybe at the beginning and go toe-to-toe with them and make them come out. But uh, it, it's difficult. But look, that's 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 you saw the game yesterday, man. Monaghan was probably exactly the same. And it's up to us to try and break it down. And, and I felt there that, you know, we had three or four bad wides the first half that in another day, if you were clinical, more clinical and accurate, and, and that would... That would certainly make them come out a small bit if you're if you're hitting the, if you're if you're in front by a couple of points. But um, it's difficult, but that's part of the game, and hopefully it's learning. And 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 that if we came up against it again, uh, I don't think we'd have done it. It was just our execution at the end that didn't get the scores, and um, I think that that that's what cost us in the end. That incident, John, just after half-time that you referred to was kind of symptomatic, wasn't it? But Matty Taylor was through, and you're thinking the minimum you're getting is a point. Yeah. And the pass doesn't go to hand. And I think the stats, just interestingly, 33 attacks, 22 shots, and only nine scores. Yeah. Um, even, even you know, we said that at halftime and, and, and it, it didn't improve anything the second half. Like our conversion rate was 27, 28%. I think they had about 60% and they were more efficient. We kind of snapped at things, snatched at things and definitely, you know, I think in another day, Matty put that, puts that over the bar. It gives us a great lift after halftime. First attack from the throw-in. Uh, all right, a goal would have been super, but... Um, you know, looking back on it, we had a couple of those chances that you've got to keep the scoreboard ticking over, and, and it puts doubts in their minds as well. And um, it wasn't probably the turning point of the game, but it, it, you know, we 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 had two chances after half time, and we were still a point down, didn't take them, and it was, you know, ultimately it was it was inevitable. Derry were going to come up and get their scores, which they did, and that's what happened, and they punished us. Does a general sense, even though it's the same exit? last year in terms of the stage that there's been significant progress made just in terms of the overall I know that's Beaumont Hanson or today like what do you think ah uh, yeah when we, i suppose when we look back on the year i suppose last year we 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 kind of came in um you know we just beat limerick and Lout and, and came up here to beat dublin we went toe to toe for the maybe 40 minutes and after that it was damage limitations so look at the whole year this year uh you know we we, we had some very good performances in the league um and you know all right 
got turned over by Clare. But since then, you know, we beat Loud. We're toe to toe with Kerry for, you know, up to the end. Um, beat beat Mayo, beat Roscommon. And look, today was just a, a bridge too far. So when we look back in it, and and the learnings of it should be good. And look, it's up to the lads now if they if they want to try and get to the to the next level. But like this is the the ultimate. They are the games here in Croke Park. Or they're tactical. They're tough. They're hard. And you must have everything going for you. And we're probably not at that level yet. And that's the test now to see are we able now going forward to to get that at level. Yeah, that's John Cleary there speaking after uh, today's defeat to Derry. You're listening to the Big Red Bench with Shore 72 hour non stop protection. Let's hear briefly from uh, Derry manager Kieran Mina. Them. We looked at them in the last two games. They they they, they are dangerous off momentum. Um, by God, when they got that goal, it was it was uh, it was dangerous as well, you know. But look at the look at the response we got. I'm, I'm very very proud of them, you know. Were you surprised how much Cork written off coming into the game, or did you even buy into it because these were heavy favourites? Yeah, I tell you the truth, Mal. I I don't read the papers, and I don't uh, I, I don't I'm not using social media at the minute, so I I was unaware of what 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 was going on on the outside. You get an odd uh, thing sent to you, but people. That send me stuff like that they're quickly deleted from my contacts you know so um, I was clinical in terms of how we, we, we prepared and so were, the, so were the players we were under no illusion to, to, to what we faced so of course we're underdogs that, that's news to me well, we felt it was a 50-50 game and that, that left our, our, our preparation razor sharp from watching them over the past couple of weeks with the Mayo game and obviously with Roscommon and Kerry yeah. what, was the, what was the main concern going into it? Uh, how dangerous Cork are when they have momentum um, how they, uh, how good they are in opposition kickouts. Their heavy zonal press was something that we we're very aware of. Uh, when you when when they turn you over and they get their their tails up, uh, as I said to you, they're a breed of people that are innately very confident, um, and that's a dangerous thing. So we talked about when they did get those turnovers, when they did get the big scores. It wasn't about what 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 had happened. It wasn't about postmortems. It was how we reacted. And there you are, straight from their goal today. Uh, the players dusted themselves down and went up the field and we stuck the ball in the net at the other at, at the other side and from that point on I felt we were we were, we were well on the road because that was worth more than three points to us it was a huge sucker blow for Cork I felt at that stage you know two points from Paul Cassidy putting Matty Taylor in the back foot and Clucky with Sean yeah. Powder was a big yeah. swing in the game for you yeah they, 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 they were huge two, two huge matchups that we had you know Matty Taylor Ian Maguire um, and obviously their, 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 their forwards then as well they were players that we identified felt Brenton did a brilliant job on Ian Maguire as well he was instrumental along with Matty Taylor in the last number of victories that they had they, they both gave us a lot of bother down in Cork in the National League in our last game even though we, we hadn't our strongest team out they were they were key players so Paul Cassidy not only nullified and Brenton not only nullified but we, 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 we felt we hurt, the, hurt, the, hurt them then going the other way then as well so yeah Last four, a good spot to be. Ah, yeah. Look, it's uh, I suppose we got to learn in semi-final this year, so it was it's 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 nice to get back there. We've got promotion this year. We've won the McKenna Cup. Uh, We're in a nice league final. We won another Ulster Championship. Um, I suppose there is a bit of uh, commentary out there that. that Derry maybe aren't uh, in, in, uh, amongst the, the elite teams and I think that that's fair but it's our job now to get ourselves back into that last four again to we, to we, to we do ourselves slightly more justice than we did here uh, 12 months ago in the semi-final you know Thank you. Are, are they better Kieran? Are the group better now than the war? 
front runs through all the running track all weekend because it was one six to finish with that day. It was yeah, well, it's it's, it's I suppose it's, it's, it's difficult to know. Uh, I suppose if you looked at the corresponding fixture last year in the quarter final against Clare, uh, we, we 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 were very good that day. But you have to take account of your opponents and all the rest. Are we better? I don't know. Time will tell. But we've had a as, as equally of good, if not a better year this year. Uh, have we shown some progress in terms of elements or, of our play? I'd like to think so, uh, particularly in terms of how we're attacking. Um, and we that the, the, those are things that we looked at over over the winter as a management team, and those are things that we're practicing. So, do I see the players have improved? Yeah, I, I do. Um, have we got a stronger hand? Have we got a better bench? Yeah, I, I I think we have. Is there more confidence now in the group because of experience? Yeah, yeah, I think I think there is. But time will tell because we're going to be drawn now in an exceptionally difficult uh, All Ireland semi final against either um, Kerry and the winners of this next game. Isn't that right? So we can't we can't make Monaghan, I believe. So. Um, that's uh, that's one we're at uh, on, 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 on this day two weeks, you know. That's Carol Miner, the Derry manager, and his yeah, it is going to be uh, Kerry against Derry. That's going to be uh, a big, big game. Dublin and Monaghan in the other semi-final. They will be in two weeks' time. Uh, right after Cork's uh, defeat, uh, I phoned up uh, Joe McCarthy, who was in Croke Park, Park, Crook Park. Even he was in Croke Park for us watching Cork's defeat to Derry. Right, joined on the line now by Joe McCarthy, who's in Croke Park. Uh, Joe here, John Cleary there. Just say the Cork are beaten by the better team. That's probably the fair summation of it. Yeah, in fairness to John Cleary, he's nothing if not to the point with all of his uh, pressers this year. He's been very honest in his assessment of his team's performance. And I think, considering they were only a point down at half time, but only managed 1 3 after the break, Rory, I think that was the, the killer blow. They came up against a better team today, a team that was just defensively better in better shape and also that crucially scored through all four quarters Cork failed to score in the third quarter and you know um, apart from Rory McGuire's goal and that really did hurt their chances of, of, of making a game of it as well as conceding a goal like 60 seconds after that McGuire goal to Conor Doherty so look I just think on today I agree with John Cleary I don't think there was anything fundamentally wrong with any one specific part of Cork's performance I just think Derry were just that bit leaner that bit, that bit fresher I think as well I do think the three games in three weeks was significant mm. for Cork and it told on a big open pitch and certainly in humid conditions maybe at pitch side um, disappointment for Cork yes but no arguments Derry certainly the better team in the second half specifically and uh, definitely deserved their place in the All-Ireland semi-finals Yeah Conor Doherty getting that goal less than 60 seconds after Rory Maguire from the net that seemed to really suck the life out of Cork sure. Yeah, I think you've you, you've summed it up well there. Like the Cork fans were getting very excited as soon as McGuire flicked that ball into the net after 47 minutes. You know, you're back to a point. It was the first score they got in the second half. You know, Derry had reeled off three in a row. And look, it's not something that Cork have done a lot this year but you know it's an old it's a bad habit and like the first thing you do when you score a goal is you defend your D you defend your own goal you don't concede but um, Derry brilliantly worked work the ball up the pitch nice flowing move and Conor Doherty for a wing back it was a really astute finish in fairness to him into the bottom corner and it's you're right you could feel around the ground just the, the shoulder slumping of the Cork supporters and I think even more, more significantly the fact that Shane McGuigan added a free sh- soon after and Conor Doherty could have scored a second goal he had a shot blocked um, you know it was a significant moment it, 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 from a from a one point from being behind by one Cork were back again to being one nine to one five in arrears and it just felt like they didn't seem to have the ability to click through the gears as they have done against Mayo and Roscommon in previous weeks and uh, I think Derry set up very very astutely following that goal and, and certainly weren't going to concede again so yeah it was a significant moment and unusual for Cork who've been so good defensively over the last couple of weeks and months especially um, not something we've become accustomed to but that goal was definitely a killer and I think the fans you could even sense it around the stadium just felt that the chance was now gone 
and Cork just lacking that kick that they had in the, the home stretch against Mayo and Roscom and I think you alluded to it Charles just when you're playing three weeks in a row three massive big games like that it is going to have an effect it is but I, I, I do think I think John Cleary said it as well I do think Cork were quite flat today um, and I, I don't know why that's the, why that would be the case, but they didn't seem to have the same tempo and zest around the middle of the park. I mean, Colin McCallan and Ian McGuire like, worked extremely hard as they always do, but they weren't bombing forward like you, they, they were in the closing quarter against Mayo, um, against Lowe's and against Roscommon, definitely. And I, I think it was also significant that um, the half-forward line, each of the half-forward line was substituted. That's not to say Brian O'Driscoll, Rory Dean and Kenny O'Hanlon didn't play particularly badly. They did what they normally did. They get through a huge amount of work and link that defence to attack. But I think John uh, Cleary and his management team just threw the kitchen sink at it in the closing minutes. They brought on as many forwards as they possibly could to try and get maybe another goal that might have set up a grandstand finale. But just on the day, that Derry defence, I think, was just brilliantly anchored by Gareth McKinless, the centre-back, and Owen McAvoy at full-back. He gave pretty much nothing away. And Derry were just that bit that bit quicker, that bit, I suppose, that bit just winning those 50-50 balls that Cork would have won a crucial stages in their previous outings. Today was the day Derry won them. But I go back to it again, Rory, I think the, probably the most significant stat looking back through my notes definitely is that all the way through first, second, third and fourth quarter, Derry kept the scoreboard ticking over. And on, at the business end of the All-Ireland Championship, that's what you've got to do. Mm. You've got to score as often as you can when those, opportunity, when those opportunities arise. And I suppose the most telling statistic to finish the point, Rory, nine scores from 22 attempts for Cork. You know, 1-8 is never going to be enough to beat the, the Ulster Championship champions and certainly not one three in the second half and, and that's the tail of the tape and that's that's what decides these quarterfinals to tight games it wasn't um a very entertaining game to watch at home on tv or what was it like in croke park and i've seen a lot of tweets from people saying that it was a dreadful game some words i can't say before the watershed and uh other than that but it wasn't a great game of football not a great advertisement for the game at all Oh, mother of God, it was awful in the first <laughs> half i think that's the best way to put it it was awful um it was only the last couple of minutes of injury time in the, in the, in the first half when Cork really lost three points there. Up to that point, it was 6-2 and it was, it was just nothing. Uh, like it was 15. Uh, it was a game of, it was a bad game of basketball, Rory. And like, <laughs> it's not like we're, not, we're accustomed to this because the way Kevin Walsh has set up the Cork defence, they batten down the hatches in the opening half and then they go for it. They counter-attack a bit more in the second period. They did it against Mayo and it worked in the Gaelic grounds. They did it against Roscommon and Parky Creep and it also worked. Keep it tight and be in the game at half-time heading into the third and final quarter and then you start your runs. Then you start your counter-attacks and you look for your late scores. Unfortunately for Cork today, they met a team that were just as good, if not and far better at doing that. There was at least three or four moments in the game. There's more than three or four moments, maybe 10, 11 moments in the game when Audren Lynch, the Derry goalkeeper, was inside the Cork 45. They had nobody in their own half and everybody was in and around the Cork 45 metre line. And then when Cork got possession, Derry drew everybody back. Much like you do in basketball where you, you switch from offence to defence and you look for the turnovers and then you look to break at pace. The difference today was when teams made those turnovers, they were happier just to hold on to the ball, Rory, and hand pass it to death and then work their way slowly up the pitch. And it was very, very difficult to watch, especially in that opening half. I mean, like 11 scores in, in a half in a quarter final of an All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. You know, it's, it's just not, it's not good TV. It's not good to watch. The atmosphere was muted. It only picked up in the second half, I think, after the two goals, and it looked like Cork might make a comeback. But this is the modern game. 
and this is the game that Cork and the tactics and the setup that they've chosen um, under this management team they defend in numbers and they break at pace the difference today Rory was they made a team who did it better than them and were more clinical in front of goal when they got those chances and Cork just didn't seem to have it in the tank when they got up to the final third they didn't have the pace to break those break through those defensive lines and yeah it made for a poor watch definitely but will Derry care after all of that? Absolutely not and they're into the semi-finals Look plenty of positives to, uh, positives to take uh, for Cork from this year anyway Ger. but look going forward Cork need to get out of Division 2 it's essential and he needs to be playing Division 1 teams on a regular basis that's it that's it in a nutshell and John Cleary said it as well in his, in his presser I mean um, we played Dublin we played Derry we played Louth who are you know Derry and, and Dublin have obviously gone up to Division 1 and we held our own against nearly all of those teams this year which was significant there's been a significant improvement I think first of all you have to take a step back today is very disappointing it's still very raw but the improvement over 12 months is, is, is definitely there the feeling though is that going out at the quarter final stage for the second year in a row Rory we expected a closer battle or we expected to put up more of a battle no matter who we played and we didn't do that today so that's definitely a big disappointment for the Cork fans that are leaving the ground and there was a huge number up here today supporting the team as well has to be said great atmosphere for that game but yeah I think if Cork have notions of making inroads uh, to the latter stages the semi-finals or even the finals of an All-Ireland they've got to get back to Division 1 so that's the immediate objective heading into next season they've got to get out of Division 2 but that's so much easier said than done Rory it's such a tight yeah. league there's never any much in those games but for Cork to progress and for the younger players who've come through the ranks this year to progress we definitely need to be at that level as for the championship next year I think we've got to get over this quarter-final hurdle definitely to show signs of progress and to do that the conditioning is much improved the defensive system is certainly improved there's a good number of players from the under 20s that can certainly make the, the step up over the winter months and into the new year it's not all doom and gloom even though it probably feels like it for Cork supporters right now but the step there are significant steps under John Cleary and his management team this year it's just disappointing I suppose Rory that we didn't make more of a game of it today at the quarter final stage when I thought we might I was telling anybody that would listen that if we got to the last quarter and we were still in the game which we were um, even though we were four points behind that we could kick on and when we got it back to like 110 to 17 there as well with like 10 minutes to go I thought okay let's kick on let's kick on it just wasn't there today for whatever reason we left to forensically analyse it over the coming weeks and winter, and winter months but Cork are definitely Cork senior football is in, a def, is in a much better place than what it was this time last year it's just disappointing that we weren't able to make more of a match of it against Derry today and I suppose that's the sting of the tail as we leave Crow Park Yeah we'll certainly have a long time to think about it before next uh, January anyway Gerard uh, thanks for joining us today safe trip home Excellent stuff. Talk to you soon. Yeah, always a pleasure to talk to Joe McCarthy, who's covering the game for us in Croke Park today and the semi-final draw to Kerry against Derry and Dublin against Malin. Disappointment for Cork today. All right, sticking with Gaelic games, Arsenal's taking on Black Rock in the Red FM Hurling League Division 1 final this coming Friday evening in Parky Rin ahead of the game. Aidan's been speaking to Sarsfield's boss, John Crowley. All right, Black Rock and Sarsfields will battle it out in this year's Division 1 final of the Red FM Hurling League. The uh, throwing time is 7.30 this this Friday coming the 7th of July at Parky Rin. I'd like to say I'm joined by Sarsfields manager John Crowley. John, excited, I presume, ahead of a county league final on Friday? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it's probably never our, our target this after year to um, to progress to the final. But look, we kind of took we took we took every game as we as it came along in the league. Um, um, and and we find ourselves in the final now, and it, it's great preparation for for the for the first round of the county on the fifth of um, August, because you know it can be a real test of character for us against 
the seasoned um, Blackrock team, you know, who I suppose they put up there they're their reigning champions and have been in two of the last three county finals. So um, it'll be a good test of, 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 of what we're about as well, you know. I was speaking to Jamie Harrington, your Blackrock uh, counterpart a little earlier on, and obviously we were discussing the 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 teams that have maybe the the least amount of intercounty involvement uh, usually yeah. fare better in, in the league I suppose and look there's pros and cons to that obviously you'd love to have plenty of uh, your club players inside with Cork but it, it's nice as well I imagine then to have the whole squad together though for the for the whole year round Absolutely absolutely I suppose look we might have taken a different view this year we, we, we've quite a large panel um, and we try to give everyone a game get, get game time into them and maybe create a bit of an atmosphere within the the training camps when we're training, you know, so um, that's sort of worked out well for us. We 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 played close on 37 players this year in, in senior hurling league, um, and a lot of our guys would have played their first first time ever playing senior hurling. So that's been an education board, I suppose, to them and to us um, to see what they're about, and it's, it's created a great environment um, within the training. So yeah, it's, it's certainly benefited us, um, and I suppose we've we've had um we've had availability which is a good thing with with a lot of players probably bar Jack um who haven't we haven't seen much of. But other than that we 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 have a full complement. Um we'd be short a few on Friday night. But that's look that's that's the nature nature of the beast in the um in the league when you're when you're playing in June, July, you know. Yeah, obviously you you'd rather have those guys ready to go in a few weeks time. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, it's 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 all it's all in preparation for for the first round, you know. And um, I'm sure Blackrock are in the same the same boat. And I think it's a great game for both Blackrock and Saras to get. Um, it'll be a real it'll be a real almost championship feel to it in the sense of you know we learn a lot about some of our players as as a few of our lads are um, are trying to break through and, and are knocking on the door. And I certainly on, on next Friday night they're going to get a chance, and we learn an awful lot, and I'm sure they learn an awful lot as well, you know. Uh, tell us about the coaching panel this year. Obviously, there, there's a big name in there. Uh, who, who else have you involved with you? Yeah, so look, we've, we've, we have um, we've, we've Dermot obviously is, is doing the is, is doing the hurling um, and is it, really settled in well. Um, I also have Owen Quigley, Joe Barry, um, and Darren Keneally, who are who have all won counties with Sarah down through the years, um, and then we have. Uh, Nelly Fitzpatrick who's in the SNC um, it's Nelly's first year involved but he's been absolutely fantastic to fair to him um, and the lads have really bought into him um, I suppose when, when I got the post back in back in last last December January um, one of my priorities basically was just to see could I try and get some of the old Sarah's heads back back involved again you know and, and with Nelly Owen Joe and Darren um, I couldn't have picked four better guys to finish with you and as well with Dermot O'Sullivan, you're not only getting somebody with so much experience from his playing days, but being involved in inter-county setup as well for the last couple of years, like that's vital experience to have. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, it's, you know, I suppose what you're trying to trying to create is is the highest performing um, environment you can for the lads. You know, um, the higher the higher the higher the performing coaching and and setup. I think the lads react to that and. You know, you might get an extra five or six percent out of every player, and you know, if you can get that, you're you're on an upward curve. And um, like Saudi has come in, and, and in the fairness to him, like you know, he's really bought into what we want to do as well. Um, and you know, I, I, I can't speak enough for Saudi. He's, he's a great lad, great guy, great guy. And uh, you mentioned already, obviously, in preparation for championship, it's a fantastic game to have. And in Parky Rin against Black Rock, who'll provide a big test. And obviously, it's a final, so players 
whatever's in the back of their mind, you know, about uh, this game is obviously not the, the be, on a, be all and end all. There's championship in a couple of weeks' time. It is a final. So that, that uh, mindset takes over, doesn't it, when you're in the game and all those players will want to do on both sides is, is to win, win a bit of silverware. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, I suppose the last time Sarah contested the senior hurling, um, senior hurling final was, was 2015, you know. So, look, you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done in Sarah's and there's a lot of work, we're doing a lot of work down there. It's, it's probably almost starting off again as such, you know, with the young lads we're having coming through and trying to get them ready for senior hurling. I mean, it, it, it's one thing to play to play hurling but to play senior hurling at the highest level against the likes of, of the Rockies and the Glen and, and the Bars and these guys in the Killy you know it's, they, they set the standard and you know it's just kind of up to us to try and I suppose match and, and, and it's you know better if, if, if at all possible but like that's that's, that's a long way away um, Friday night is a great is a great hurdle for us um, I feel we learn an awful lot about, about certain players on Friday night um, you know, whatever way the, the game goes, whether it's a victory or a loss, I think at the end of the day, it, it's what we're going to take out of it and what we're learning from it will, will be will be key to us, you know. Um, That's Sarsfield's uh, boss there, John Crowley, looking ahead to the Red FM Hurling League Division 1 finalist coming Friday night in Park Urain as they take on Black Rock. We heard from the Rockies, yes, we heard from Jimmy Harrington. You can hear that on the Big Red Bench podcast. Look at that on redfm.ie. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk F1 and boxing. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. With Sure 72-hour non-stop protection, tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. For all the best in Cork sport, from GAA to football, from rugby to athletics, tune into the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM every Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. We've got you covered with Sure Advanced 72-Hour Protection, the most advanced antiperspirant. It won't let you down. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. All right, to talk about an eventful Austrian Grand Prix, joined by our good friend Sarah McKenzie Foley on the line now. Sarah, how are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just coming down from the buzz of that race. We actually <laughs> got some, some pretty interesting stuff, despite not getting any rain whatsoever, which was a bit of a, a surprise, but it was a good weekend overall. Uh, Max Verstappen, we have to start with him. He's... Certainly on the way to a third world title. Uh, was it five wins in a row this uh, this afternoon? Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it looks too easy almost. And he actually got a bit cheeky at the end. He pitted on the penultimate lap for a set of soft tyres to try and take the extra point for fastest lap, which he successfully did. But he he was only able to do that because he had a 24 second gap mm. between himself and Leclerc, and that's a genuine gap because neither of them had any penalties which happened to a lot of other drivers in the race so I mean it's pretty astonishing really that consistently having that level of a gap is um, it's kind of unheard of So it's five wins as you mentioned for Max Verstappen what is this consistency down to? I mean it's a lot of it has to be said it's down to Adrian Newey you know the, the design of that car and equally Obviously, Max is is an extremely accomplished driver, and at this point, he's actually he's really only fighting himself. You know, mm. he uh, he got pole obviously for the the sprint race, and his his race engineer came over the radio at the end and said, "Oh, you actually could have saved a bit more time at, at turn three. You know, they're really 
they're down to the very, very finite details at this point. And it, it does look like the season is pretty much in the bag for them. Luckily, behind them, we're starting to see a bit more racing, which we didn't have at all at the start of the year. So it's good to see that now. Yeah, and for Red Bull as well, you mentioned that car that they have is just absolutely incredible. They've won all nine races so far this season, which suggests that that car is just streets ahead of the competition. A hundred percent. You know, like I said, the gap to the Ferrari is a is a genuine gap. There's nothing there that's kind of boosting it. You can even see the difference between himself and obviously his teammate Sergio Perez. Not to say that the cars are exactly the same because they aren't, but it's you know Perez is still driving an extremely quick car. In fairness to him, he did manage to go from fifteenth to to third today, so that was no small feat either. But he's definitely, you know, Max Verstappen is in a league of his own at the moment. Yeah, certainly. So um, Lando Norris named driver of the day today as well. He had a fantastic race as well. Yeah, I actually voted for him myself for driver <laughs> of the day. He uh, he he was fantastic. You know, I mean, he's. Finally, McLaren are seeing some positivity. They've had an absolutely awful season and they came in with a lot of hype, especially with the drama around Oscar Piastri last year and securing him. And now Lando has the upgrades on his car and it really looks like they're going to be quite impactful. So hopefully Oscar will get those soon. They also have even more upgrades coming ahead of the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. So I think we can expect to see a lot more from McLaren from this point on during the season for sure. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton was given a five second penalty today. Not happy about it at all because he was complaining that maybe Mm. other drivers should have been given the penalty that he was given and weren't. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, there were there were almost 10 drivers in total, like almost half of the grid in the end did get penalties for exceeding track limits. But Lewis was, I mean, he was very unhappy. At some points, it was sort of like siblings rashing on each other because they were coming over, <laughs> coming over the radio saying, have you seen this? He's gone off in front of me. And, you know, Lewis just happened to be really, really... Um, you know, I, I think frustrated generally this weekend. I think the car just wasn't wasn't performing for him at all today. And and multiple times, Total Wolf actually had to come over the radio and just tell him to focus on driving. Um, you know, he came over the radio on lap fifty three and said, "Lewis, the car is bad. We know that. Just please drive it." <laughs> and he uh, he sounded pretty cheesed off. So I think a pretty tough weekend overall for for Mercedes, unfortunately. Yeah, Lewis just sounds completely fed up at this point, doesn't he? he's very up and down you know I think he when they get a bit of momentum you almost see the the old Lewis Hamilton back and he's talking about you know the fight that we're going to take to Red Bull next year and all this kind of stuff but it's very easy to bring him back down when he has a challenge so I wonder whether it's to do with you know his longevity in the sport and you know there's only so many times you can sort of keep getting back up I suppose and he's he's had to do that an awful lot so I think yeah, he's definitely, this would be probably a weekend to forget for him. But, you know, he's going into his home Grand Prix uh, the next round. So I think he'll be excited about that nonetheless. And that's what I was going to say. It's Silverstone up next uh, next weekend, which is always uh, a big, big event. And I suppose mm. we can't look any further than another Verstappen win next week, I guess. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, like I said, the battle now is really behind them, uh, behind the Red Bulls, particularly Max. I think Ferrari would be very happy with their performance this weekend. They really sort of boosted themselves back up to where we expected them to be for the whole season. So I think you have more players kind of coming into into that battle. You've got Mercedes, you've got Ferrari, you've got Aston Martin, you've now got McLaren. And I think Alpine are an interesting one. I think they're a dark horse, you know. So I think there's a lot going on. It's just 
just so happens that Max isn't involved because he's out there and, you know, living his own little little world out front. <laughs> Certainly so. And uh, uh, speaking of Alpine, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney taking a part of that team as well. That's obviously going to be very, very interesting to see what they do with the team. We've seen what they've done with Wrexham in the Football League and getting mm. them promoted. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with the team. Absolutely. And, you know, there's been talk of, you know, even Apple getting more involved in Formula One. Well, obviously, Netflix already has a huge part in it. So I think it is interesting to see that group come in. Obviously, as you said, Wrexham are, I mean, they're kind of a success story, really, at this point. So Mm. I think it's a good business case that those investors are taking in. They're not sort of just coming into this blind. I will say Formula One is obviously a very different world and... It's it's going to be interesting. I think I did have a question around it's an American group. They had an opportunity to invest in current and future American F1 teams. And it's interesting that they picked picked a French team. Yeah. But I think there's there's potentially a lot more space for more celebrity investments to come in the future in Formula One because we've seen how many of them show up you know, on race weekends and if there are more opportunities for them, I don't see why they wouldn't get involved. Yeah, and for Rob and Ryan as well, it's kind of a no-lose situation for them because they haven't had to put any of their own money up. They just seem to have to front, be the, 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 the I suppose, the centre point of this consortium. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's, as you say, it's a win-win for them. You know, they're and they're great at that side of it. That, yeah. that is really, that is what they bring to the table. And I also think, obviously, with the market growth for F1 in the U.S., in particular, over the next couple of years, I think they're probably going to be trotted out uh, a fair few times, but I'm sure I'm sure they won't mind it. They'll be very well looked after. Yeah, they certainly will. All right, Sarah, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for talking to us today, and we'll talk to you next week after, after Silverstone. Great stuff. Thanks, Rory. You're listening to The Big Red Bench with your 72-hour non-stop protection. We're going to talk boxing now, of course. Callum Walsh moving to 7-0 with six KOs recently as the Cove native defeated Carson Jones, a man who had 45 wins to his name in California, stopping him in the fourth round to win the WBC Silver Super Welter Bait. I got a chance to, uh, Welter Belt even, I got a chance to speak with Callum this week about his career, about his plans for the future, fighting in Cork and plenty more. Right, delighted to be joined on the line now by Fox and Callum Walsh. Callum, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm very good, Buzz. I just got uh, just got back from Portugal here yesterday, so I'm a bit tired, but, but I'm all right. <laughs> living the dream, by living the dream. Come here, um, talk to me. Um, tell me first off how you started boxing, why you got into it, and why you stuck with it. Yeah, so I was six years old, and uh, it was actually my dad put me in uh, into a boxing club, um, and you know I just. I liked it, you know. I liked to fight. I'm just, uh, I was just a young, young Irish kid that that liked to fight, and I got put into boxing, and I I stuck with it, you know. I liked to train. I was, I always liked to train too. I was a very competitive young fella. I yeah, liked to train. Uh, that's that's just all I knew, you know. My dad would just bring me to the boxing gym, and I just got so used to going all the time that even when I got older, that's that's all I knew. All mm-hmm. I knew was just wake up and just do whatever, and then, and then go to the gym at night. It was always uh, my my main priority. Now, had you played soccer and gang stuff as well, or was it always just boxing? Yeah, I played a bit of hurling already, but uh, until I was about 15, 16. Um, but I, I, I had to give it up, you know, especially with hurling now and boxing is two, uh, two sports that don't really go together with all the injuries and stuff. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to concentrate on boxing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I suppose, like, um, Cork has always been renowned, I suppose, for producing some quality boxers. I mean, like, who would you have kind of, I suppose, looked up to, I suppose, when you were growing up? Boxers from Cork that I would have looked up to. Mm, or even Ireland, I suppose. In Ireland, um, to be honest, right, 
when I was growing up, you know, I, I never really watched much boxing. I was always a massive uh, UFC fan. Um, so it's funny enough, I, you know, I just, I just, I just boxed because it was, it was all I knew. You know, I just, I knew I had to go to the gym, and I was good at boxing. You know, I won a lot of fights, even from a young age. I, I remember though my my very first amateur fight, I lost. I was like 11 years old. I lost my first amateur fight, and I think I won like 20 something in a row. Then after that, and you know, so I was just good at boxing. That that's why I done it. But um, yeah, I suppose you know, just from 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 training. From I won my first Irish title when I was um, when I was like 15. I won my first Irish title, and I was up around the high performance then. You know, with with the likes of Michael Connolly and you know all these people who were they were they were still amateur at the time. Um, I, I'm sure I have a picture there. I'm about I'm probably about 15, and there's a picture of me, Michael Conley, and, and Gary Cully. Mm. You know, three, and we're three pros now. And uh, even like Katie Taylor, you know, all these people were around when I was still an amateur. And now there's there's basically all of us are, are pros now, only for maybe a couple. But yeah, it's all them kind of people I was around from a young age and looked up to, I suppose. Yeah, you've been a pro now for the last year and a half. Six fights, six wins in that period all of them uh, taking place in the United States. Are you based kind of full-time in the United States now or are you over and back? Yeah, I'm 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 full-time. Well, I I'm, I'm over and back really. For a while though I, I was full-time. I was uh when I first got to America, I actually was trying to sort a, a visa. So I was waiting for um my visa so I stayed there for a year and a half when I first went. I mm. was planning on going for for 3 weeks and I ended up there for for a year and a half. But um yeah, now, now that I have the green card, you know, I try to, if I have time after every fight, I'll, I'll come home for a couple of weeks. Your last fight was against Carson Jones just a couple of weeks ago. What an incredible performance that was. I mean, like, that was your biggest fight to date and your biggest performance to date. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. No, Carson Jones was definitely um, the first proper name on my record, you know, when in only my seventh fight, fighting somebody that has over 60 professional fights and he's only been stopped four times, you know. He he fought Kell Brook back when I was, like, 11 years old, you know. He was fighting boys like Kell Brook and stuff. Um, and I was barely even fighting. And, um, yeah, you know, there's not many people who would take that take that chance, you know. Even in just a seven fight, there's not many people who would want to fight somebody like him. He, in his career, he had, he had a lot of upsets, you know. He upset a lot of prospects. So he knew, you know, what he was at, but... I was confident in my ability. You know, I knew if I'm going to fight main events on UFC Fight Pass, if I have the backing of Dana White, you know, the trainer like Freddie Roach, I, I have to take big fights. You know, I have to prove mm-hmm. myself. And especially with, like, I'm making comments like, you know, I'm going to be the next face of Irish boxing. I understand you can't just say this stuff without proving it, you know. So I'm not one of those fellas who's going to talk and talk and, you know, not not do anything about it. So when they offered, mm-hmm. when they said, look, you're, you're fighting Carson Jones. He's, and I just said, yeah, that's grand. We'll do it. You know, and the next thing it was for a, a WC belt. And I thought, all right, definitely. I can't wait to bring that belt back home. And that was a big, um, a big fight. And I knew I had to put in a, a big performance and I stopped Carson Jones in four rounds. And you know, that has never been done to him before. So I feel like it was a, it was a big statement. Actually speaking of Freddie Roach, how did you wind up uh, working with him? Yeah. So that's actually a funny story. You know, um, I showed up to, in LA couple of days later, I showed up at the Wildcat gym, uh, met Freddie, uh, asked him if I could train. And it was a, it was actually a Wednesday Wednesday morning. And he was like, yeah, you can train, no bother. But uh, we spar here Monday, Wednesday and Friday. So if you want to train, you, you know, try and put on your sparring gear and, and get in. 
Um, so I'd done a couple of rounds with one of the boys in there. He was a pro, uh, Blair Cobbs. I think he was like 14 or 15 low at the time as a pro. And I'm here just fresh out of the amateurs. Don't even know if I'm turning pro. I don't know what I'm doing. I got in, yeah, we done we done six rounds. Um, and now I was tired. I was tired. Uh, like, I was nervous too because I sparred in front of Freddie Roach. And yeah. I was used to sparring. Like, the most I ever fought was just three rounds, you know. So we got in there <laughs> with a pro as well. It's different. They know what they're at, like, you know. They know how to... You know, I'd slow down the pace in the early rounds and put it on you then when you're tired. But I didn't. All I knew was just, you know, get in there and just go at it. And that nah, was good. You know, it was. I felt like it done well. Freddie felt like it done well, and uh, yeah, he wanted to. He wanted to keep me there then. Yeah, it's always a good sign, I suppose. Someone like Freddie Roach sees something in you that he can work with and and bring forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, me, me and Freddie, we have a good relationship. You know, I'm I'm one of the boys that up in Riverstone Boxing Club where in Glanmire where I trained my whole career they they don't take any shit up there either no it's like they're the coaches they tell you what to do if you're not listening you might as well just go home you know so I already had that drilled into me when I got to Wildcard and I, and I knew Freddie was the coach so anything he tells me to do I do and I don't cause any trouble I go there I train I listen and I think he likes that and I think that's why we, we get on well um, as you mentioned as well, you have the back in the UFC or fighting um, on, on Fight Pass. Dana White is tweeting about your fights, promoting you heavily. That must be kind of a surreal kind of experience, I suppose, at least initially for someone, as you say, who grew up a massive UFC fan. Yeah, definitely. I went from watching Dana White on the telly, you know, with me, me and my friends watching Dana on the telly to actually sitting in an office then with him one day and uh, talking about what we're going to do with my career. So... Yeah, having the support of the UFC is 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 massive. You know, there's there's nobody else getting that push from. There's no other boxer getting that push from the UFC. You know, I'm every time I fight, I'm posted all over the UFC Instagram. I'm posted everywhere. Dana White coming to my fights. Howlerhead Whiskey, you know, as my main sponsor. Mm. It's like, yeah, it, it's crazy, but I'm I'm enjoying every minute of it. And what's that attention like? Because I'd imagine for for some people it could be kind of head turning and a bit overwhelming. How do you cope with it? Yeah, you know, I enjoy it. To be fair, you know, I like, I like, um, I like it. I like the attention. You know, I feel like, um, you know, this is something I've, I've since I got to America and since I had the idea of turning pro in my head. This is, uh, this is what I've always wanted to do. You know, and and the fact that I'm just just making a name for myself, and I understand that you're not going to be able to make a name for yourself and do big things in the sport if people don't know you. Know, and if you're not like interacting with, with, with your fans and stuff. And I, I like it, you know, because I'm just a normal fella too, you know, so when people mm. come up to me and talk, we're just, like even out in Portugal there, we were, there was a small amount of people come up to me, even I was there one day and all the boys, <laughs> and there was a lot of boys from Passage over there and they picked me up, they had me up in the air in the middle of the strip now, we're in Albufeira. All the boys had me up in the air, chanting my name and everything and it was, oh, man, it was crazy. But um, no, I like it to be fair. There's, there is a lot of people know me you now. Even in, even in Portugal, there, we were in the supermarket. There was Portuguese fellas coming up to me, like asking for pictures, and uh, I was crazy, boys. You know, I'm enjoying it. I, it's not getting to my head or nothing. You know, I'm hmm. still the, I'm still the same fella I always was, and well, just a few people know me you now. <laughs> yeah, and finally for me, buddy, um, what is next for you? You've, you've said you want to be the face of Irish boxing. Um, that's obviously your long term goal, but short term, I suppose. What's next? Yeah, so my next fight is going to be to de- defend the WBC belt I just won. Um, I'm going to be defending that August 26th. So there's going to, that's going to have to be another good fight, you know, another step up to defend my belt. Um, and after that, then we we're going to go to Madison Square Garden in November. Nice. And, and we we'll look at a, a homecoming fight then in Cork after that. That's what we want to hear by fighting in front of the rebels. By that's what you want. Absolutely.
Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you, buddy. Um, no doubt we'll speak again. Um, very, very best luck in your career going forward. And thanks again for talking to us today. Yeah, cheers, boss. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to Callum Walsh this week. You can watch King Callum Walsh's first title defence as he defends that WBC Silver Super Welter belt, uh, belt uh, at the Commerce Casino on Saturday, 26th of August. Uh, that will be live on UFC Fight Pass. And as I mentioned there with Callum, Dana White certainly taking a keen interest in the Cove man's career. So you can hear that, or you can watch that on UFC Fight Pass Saturday, 26th of August. I also spoke to this motor Tom Loeffler. We don't have time to air that tonight but we will air it next uh, weekend it's a really interesting conversation he's a veteran of the US boxing scene he's promoted the Klitschko brother, brothers Shane Mosley uh, Triple G as well so that's a really interesting conversation about where he's going to take um, his career Callum Walsh's career I should say uh, so we can tune into the Big Red Bench next weekend for that but we are going to stick with uh, boxing and Cork boxers uh, I'm going to hear from uh, Carl Crowley now who called to me in the studio earlier on today the talker man uh, recently started his professional career career, fought and and brought her in the parochial hall a couple of weeks back and what was a great night uh, where Tommy Hyde headlined, we'll hear from Tommy next week as well, running out of uh, time tonight a very, very busy show, but we'll hear from Tommy Hyde on next week's show. But we're going to hear from uh, Cahal Crowley, who called in to me earlier on today. All right, delighted to be joined in studio now by uh, Cork boxer Cahal Crowley, who's moved to 2-0 and in his professional career after a recent win at the parochial hall. Cahal, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for coming in. No bother. Pleasure to be here, Rory. Um, let's start with that night in Grand Abraher. Um, first off, uh, great atmosphere. It was a, a great night, and you had a, a very solid win over Patrick Polisic, who's been around the block a bit. It was a tough opponent. Yeah, it was good. Um, uh, it was a tough, tough night's work, uh, but I got, got the job done and uh, performed well. Uh, he was a bit tougher than I thought he would be. I thought he could have got him over there, but. Uh, he was there for the, the long the long run. It was your first pro fight in Cork as well. I mean, if the atmosphere was something else. Yeah, yeah, the atmosphere was electric inside there. Um, it was I was nervous, uh, ner- nervous about crumbling under pressure, but I didn't. I was <laughs> when I when I walked out and when I got in the ring, felt at home, felt great. And was that just nerves that like all your family and friends are there? You're fighting in Cork, was it, or was it just just uh, because it's your second pro fight? I suppose uh, it's more more the crowd, the size of the crowd. It was. Um, it would have been the most people I've boxed in front of by a good good number like as an, as an amateur you fight in front of like small like small crowds and maybe 100 200 people yeah. at max and then uh, my first my debut was in Dublin and draw like at the start of the card so like there was only like, yeah. like 100 150 people in there as well at that as well so it was a massive leap up to like the over a thousand, I think. There, <laughs> as you say, Patrick is a, a tough opponent. Um, do you feel if you had the six rounds, you might have gotten him out of there? Yeah, definitely. I was uh, working a lot to the body, and uh, I was fresh after the four rounds. I was fresh, but he he was he was. He was goosed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think all those old veterans, they're just so tough. They know how to, to see out fights, and they know how to get to the end of the, the, the fight. Yeah, he was he was good at um He'd like cover up for a good chunk of the round and then he'd like throw a big flurry at the towards the end you know, and he, he'd show that he was still still there but trying to get the, the judges attentions like, yeah, you know, like yeah. Way, yeah. trying to make yeah trying to make up the scores you know. but uh, yeah it was good it was good uh, good experience uh, Going, it was my first time doing even doing four rounds because the, my debut was stopped in the third and uh, 
I've never gone past that. I've never gone past the third round. So yeah, all the rounds count rounds in the bank, I suppose. Yeah. What was the message then from the corner in between rounds? Just keep going, keep doing what you're doing, or really tell you to tweak things and adjust things, or uh, yeah, the, the message in the corner after the first round was like keep doing what I was doing, and that I should have got him out of there. You know that I, I could have got him out of there, especially with the body work. Um, I was laying into the body a lot, and uh, but then again, it was a four round fight, and. That, that that would show more dividends in a yeah. six eight round fight when they look when their rounds are longer and they'd be gas now. So <laughs> that many people who can say they spike O'Sullivan in the corner. How much of help is he? Yeah, he's great help. Good man to have on your side with all experience and knowledge and wisdom, John. He was just telling me like he was telling me that just keep tip, keep doing what they're doing, like you know. And I train with him on the regular, like uh, terribly nice guy, isn't he? Just uh, one of the nicest, like yeah, he's really nice. Yeah, he's. Him now and um, Dave O'Connell, um, my uh, strength, he's our strength and conditioning coach. They're the reason I basically I, I turned pro. You know, I started training with Dave when I was still an amateur, and uh, got a few dodgy decisions uh, my last couple of fights as an amateur. And uh, so I was talking to them about turning pro, and then they, when Spike was fighting Lara in New York, uh, they they spoke, gave me a good word to Pastor mm. Collins, and. Uh, Brought me up to the gym uh, a couple of weeks after uh, the Lara fight. Uh, how would you get up with Pascal then? Good, yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's some knowledge there as well. You know, he's, uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's been through uh, 20 years in America or something he was saying. And he's been around all the gyms, around his his brother Steve Collins, yeah. Freddie Roach, all the Petronellis, all the great trainers like that have trained some of the world-class fighters of the past, like, you know. So he knows what he's talking about. Exactly, a wealth of experience there, um, Pascal has, in fairness. How would you describe yourself as a fighter? Uh, I just describe, uh, I describe myself as a pressure fighter. Uh, I like to come forward and just not take a step back and just lay, lay into it. Like, <laughs> I, I, can, I can box as well. Though. Like I've, I've Not just a brawler? Like. No, nah, I can box. Uh, I, I've two All-Irelands as an amateur, so like, I can box if it, it needs... If it needed to be, like if a fellow was too, too, <laughs> too tough, and or if I hurt my hand or something like that, and if I, yeah. I could box my way to the decision, like I'm, yeah. I'm a technical boxer as well. But uh, the goal really is the professional game is about it's the heart business, like you mm. know. So it's about uh, breaking people down and coming forward and putting on the show for the fans as well. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a entertainment sport. Um, you said your last couple of amateur fights went again went against you. That kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, I did. Uh, um, what happened? So my last All Ireland final um, fight got stopped, but it was like it, it should not have been stopped. Like I, it got a, a left hook, but I was going back at the same time, and uh, the ref just was counting, count, gave me you know like the A count yeah. that you get in the amateur, and uh, I was just la- I was literally laughing in his face, like waving my hands, saying like I'm. I'm grand like to not yeah. and then he just he waved it off and uh, yeah um, that must have been so frustrating that was though, so was frustrating it? yeah and then I fought on them for another few months fought in San Francisco and then I fought in the Celtic Box Cup in Dungarvan that was, that was like the final nail in the straw really. I um, was boxing a lad from Portugal and uh, I, I would have said I handily won the fight and, like, yeah. and lots of people came up to me afterwards saying like you won that fight, like you know. But I think what could have happened was there was a um, problem with the scoring system. Right. In between, after the first round, the um, scoring system went down, so they lost the first round, and then they started handing out pieces of paper. And right. like, it was kind of like 
I was like, do you think David just made a mistake or something? Yeah. But uh, no, I got no. They were they weren't overturned anyway. So <laughs> I just said. I'm done with that, really. So was that's alcohol Crowley term pro. Great to talk to him today. Delighted he could join us in, and we will uh, play the second part of that interview on our show next week. Still, plenty to talk uh, with uh, about with Carl. We're also going to hear from uh, Tommy Hyde next week, and we're going to talk to Tom Loeffler, the man who is promoting Callum Walsh. That's a very, very interesting conversation indeed. But that is our show. Thanks very much indeed for tuning our way. Our podcast, if you missed our show, our last night's show is available on RedFM.ie. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening, folks. Max is up next with Green on Red. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.